It's time for another episode of Dynasty Oasis Podcast. Here are your hosts, Matt Newts and Josh Adkins. Hello, and welcome to the Dynasty Oasis Podcast. My name is Matthew Newts. I have not bathed since our last episode, so <laughs> fortunately for him, with me today on Skype, the one, the only, Joshua Adkins. How's it going, Josh? Man, that's going to really, that with without the week of context, that's going to really sound <laughs> awful. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, but that's what my fans have come to expect from me, a certain level of nastiness. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, so we're doing podcast number two in, in two days. We're recording on Sunday, uh, June 20th. So uh, if you're listening to this episode and some big news is broken and you're like, why aren't they talking about, you know, an Aaron Rodgers signing or something that hypothetically came down the pipeline? Uh, nothing, nothing like that on this show. We're going to talk prospects, something that uh, largely isn't dependent upon some NFL news cycle. We're t- we did a, a prospect draft a couple weeks ago. We got three guys each lined up, and actually, um, I one of my guys was picked based on the potential for some spillover scouting, and I, I got some of that in. So um, I'm pretty excited to talk about some of these prospects in the uh, 2022 class. Yeah, me too. Um, I did most of my film work this morning, this afternoon, today, I kind of crammed it all in. I wish I would have spent a little bit more time with some of these guys, but I do feel like I got a pretty good feel for my, for my three guys that I assigned myself. Well, I think it's important to point out the idea here is we want to get a general idea of who these guys are. We want to learn the names, the size, kind of what type of player they are. Uh, Their, their next year of film is going to be the more important year. So the idea of having to really do. Yeah. Give ourselves a baseline. Right. Exactly. We kind of are trying to figure out who these guys are. And so next year's film, you know, we're not relearning. We're not learning these guys for the first time. We kind of have a a baseline there, like you said. So um, I watched about three or four games on each of these guys, just kind of get a general sense of who they are. Um, And it sounds like that's generally what you did too. So um, I think we should just lead right into it. You want we we kind of both picked a quarterback here. Yours is the uh, the presumed number one. So why don't we start with uh, Spencer Rattler? Yeah, and I'll be honest, I didn't watch a ton of college football live last year. So mm-hmm. most of the college film I had watched was scouting for this past draft. And there wasn't, other than Ramondre Stevenson, there wasn't really a Sooner that would have led me to watch Rattler. So when I was watching Stevenson film, I was just seeing the handoffs because on the Nerds film room, they cut out the non-relevant plays. So this was really my first extensive look at Rattler. And I'll be honest, I I see why he is the, the guy to roster right now if you're in Debbie or whatever, if you're picking a quarterback from this class. I really liked what I watched. I, I I was really fond of his throwing motion. It, it's real smooth. It, it feels natural and it's quick. Yeah. It, it's not a long wind up that's going to take forever. When he decides to throw, he can get it out quick and it looks like what you want your star quarterbacks throwing motion to look like. So what if I- he, he passes the eye test well and if i can step in there and you don't you don't see that throwing motion break down when he's on the move i think that's what always has stood out in the little bit of live film that i have watched on on spencer um on the move he looks very comfortable throwing both down the field sometimes across his body but at at the end of the day he looks like he's it's like you said natural very effortless motion regardless of if it's set back from a nice stable platform in the pocket or if it's on those rollouts or just plays where kind of, you know, you draw it up in the dirt and he has to go make a play. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and the thing that really impressed me about his mobility is the mobility is something that's pretty well known for Rattler is um, his mobility is not like you see so many young mobile quarterbacks where they're just always looking to run. Yep. His instinct is to use his mobility to extend plays for his arm. Right. And that was really the thing that impressed me the most for him. I see a guy with all the tools to be the first overall pick in next year's draft. If he has a strong year on tape and he measures well at next year's combine, which I'm sure hopeful we have a combine, a real combine next yeah. year. I don't know why we wouldn't, but I would um, think we would. Yeah. I would bet my own money that he is the one Oh one in the real NFL draft next year. I see everything I would want from this modern quarterback really. Um, I didn't have a lot of cons for him, to be honest. He One of the games I watched, uh, Kansas State, he did throw three interceptions. That was game two last year, I believe, okay. for Oklahoma. But he, a couple of those throws were just him kind of taking unnecessary risks. And mm-hmm. um, every quarterback makes mistakes. Um, there wasn't anything physical that led to, like, a limitation in his arm strength. There were just, you know, a couple of mistakes made in the game. And and to his credit, he only threw four more interceptions the rest of the season. I was really trying to scratch my brain and come up with a reason to not like Rattler. And I just, <laughs> there wasn't anything glaring to me. I, everything I saw, I pretty much liked, if I'm going to be honest. Yeah, and I think he's sort of pulling himself away as the, the, the consensus top quarterback in this class, which is what I sort of alluded to. Um, on the top end, certainly Keaton Slovis, Sam Howell, a guy that I'm going to talk about here in a second, um, maybe in the conversation. But I think you're absolutely right. Under Lincoln Riley, um, likely in a in a college football playoff. I mean, I know that that the Oklahoma team has some some areas of needs, some things that they got to sort of develop within within the roster. But I think the defense is going to be very good again. Lincoln Riley has quite a good track record for developing players like this. You mentioned sort of, you know, the mistakes early in the season. He is just a redshirt sophomore, so this is, you know, he's fairly early on in his developmental track. Um, It'll be interesting to see if he has, you know, if he has an elite season, I'm fairly certain he'll come out because he will be the 101. I wonder if he were to have potentially a bad season, if this is maybe a guy who might come back for that final year of eligibility. Um, That's a ways down the road, but I think right now what we're looking at, yeah, he's the pretty easy um, consensus top quarterback. And usually that means you're the top pick in the NFL draft. Yeah. And he does have the pedigree. He was the number one quarterback recruit yep. in the country coming out in 2019, five-star recruit consensus, number one pro style quarterback. Um, be hard pressed to not see him enter the NFL draft next year. I, you, you alluded to a, a scenario where that could happen, but, um, I think uh, I think it's pretty gosh darn likely he's uh, going to be in the league next year. Let me just ask this on on terms of just, you know, we talked about how natural he is. I think there's a, a certain amount of accuracy that comes with it and just sort of playmaking ability just in terms of the raw arm strength. Where would you put him on sort of that Josh Allen to Teddy Bridgewater scale? Well, he's not he, he's probably God, I'd say probably darn near right in the center of that scale. His arm strength isn't something that's going to wow you, but I think it's adequate. Okay. And it's not limiting. And, and and both of us would agree that that's one of the, that's, I'm glad we got to it last because it is one of the last things that concerns me. I like a base level 
a baseline level of, you know, you got to hit this mark. But once you're over that, the difference between Josh Allen and sort of that middle tier, I think if you get a check mark or you don't, and I'll give them a check mark and it's not Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen going to wow you on a, on a YouTube clip when he throws it from the back of the end zone through the goalpost or something. But um, I think it's perfectly fine to make all the throws an NFL quarterback is required to make. Perfect. Well then uh, should we move on to the next guy? Yeah, uh, you had from the University of Cincinnati a guy that, I'll be honest, I'm not going to be able to help you much on this uh, breakdown. (laughs) I have never watched him play a game. Desmond Ritter. Yeah, he's fairly underrated. I think, you know, he's even after a very strong season last year where Cincinnati was, you know, in the playoff conversation, people still haven't quite figured out how good this guy is. And, And Desmond Ritter... Um, you mentioned Cincinnati, 6'4", 215. He is going to be going into his senior year. Um, he's Assuming he stays healthy, he'll be a four-year starter there for the Bearcats. Um, and, you know, the, the comp that I made, and I don't have comps for all of my players, just where it felt like it was a natural fit. This feels like De- uh, Kellen Mond, excuse me, all over again. Desmond Ritter uh, primarily came into Cincinnati as a scrambler. The first two seasons, he had nearly 300 rushes. Um, but you know, he was able to win games early on in his career. And as a junior, this most recent season, the, the, the passing skills really went through the roof. He, he jumped to 66% completion percentage, uh, the highest yards per attempt of his career. Um, and I think we're going to see another, you know, similar jump for him, um, as we move forward into 2021, you know, I, I make the Kellen Mond comp and I think it's, it's partially because of the way the trajectory of their career has gone. Kellen was the same way, came in largely as a, you know, a high recruit, but largely as a scrambler. And I think watching film, guy, we, we both loved Kellen um, coming out this year, but we both said that is not going to be what's going to separate him at the next level is his scrambling ability. And I think Ritter is the same case where it's almost a player understanding, okay, this helps me a little bit, but it is a limitation if I can't become more than this. And I really saw that in, in 2021, or in 2020, I take that back. Uh, I watched UCF Houston. They played Georgia in the bowl game, and I watched Eastern Carolina. And in each one of those games, he he impressed me with, especially with the accuracy in the short and intermediate areas, there's some work to be done downfield. And that's why I say I could I could see another jump coming for him this year because you saw him miss a lot of passes, you know, let's say 25-plus yards down the field, but he's so accurate everywhere else. You just sort of, um, I think the way I'd put it to you is he's trying to make perfect throws too often. When you're targeting guys down the field, you know, 40, 50 yards down the field, DBs have a tough time tracking that ball. You have to give your receiver just a chance to go make a play. Too often he's trying to lead the guy perfectly right in stride where it just drops in the bucket. And you'd like yeah. to see him do that Ryan Fitzpatrick thing a little more often where it's just, I'm going to give my guy a chance, yeah. you know? And I think that's something that he will learn, but the decision-making is very, very good. I liked his pocket presence. Again, he's he's got good mobility, but he's he's learning to use it, like you said, with Spencer Rattler, to just extend plays as opposed to to try to go pick up yards with his legs. Now, that is something he still has, um, but, you know, he I, he's a guy that really, really impressed me. Um, one thing I did want to say on, on Ritter, a, a big reason I picked him, um, was because Jared Dokes was sort of a guy that was overlooked by the community, frankly, overlooked by this podcast, Newts. I don't think either of us watched a significant amount of film, if any, on Dokes coming into the year. So I wanted to get an impression on Dokes. Um, I liked him. He's a different player than I expected to see. You know, you, 
he's one of the few big backs in this most recent class. And I expected to see a, you know, physical Chris Carson style um, pounding angry runner. Um, he really reminded me of, of kind of a guy that's already on the Miami Dolphins and Malcolm Brown, sort of on the low end and Jamal Williams on the, on the higher end of bigger receiving down backs. And so um, I thought it was good to just get a look at Dokes. I think as you look at Miami and how that might fit, um, I think he's going to be a guy that, that, that gets used there. So I don't want to get too far off, off course here, but no, Dokes was fine. a guy that, that I definitely wanted to talk about a little bit because Frankly, it was my first exposure to him. And, you know, I've picked up a few shares just on the prospects of they spent a draft pick on him. And this is an organization with a philosophy of, you know, churning these these running backs at the back end of, of rosters. So I was sort of impressed with what I saw from him as a third down back. And that was surprising. I was less impressed with what I saw as a goal line and short yardage or just a primary ball carrier. Um, and okay. I think maybe that's a misconception out there with Dokes as, as that he's this punishing runner. And, and that's certainly not what I saw. Um, but to get back to Ritter, um, I think he continues to be super undervalued in both Debbie and, and dynasty circles. I think very similar to Kellen Mott, he's going to be drafted in a spot where, you know, it's enough to sort of get everybody excited to make him a second, third, you know, area rookie pick. Um, but not, the, uh, you know, not an exciting enough spot or not a high enough draft pick to probably secure a job early in his career. So he's somebody that I think you're going to be looking into 2023, 2024 uh, before you're getting any production. But a guy that I think is flying way under radars um, and is a guy that I, I was really, really impressed with when I watched him at Cincy. All right. Well, let me ask you a question. You're sure. in a startup draft right now and round like whatever, and you're looking at a developmental project quarterback for whatever reason, this has Debbie included. You're sitting there on the clock. Kellen Mond's available. Davis Mills is available. Kyle Trask is available and Desmond Ritter is available. How are you ranking them? Where are you drafting them behind those three that are already in the league? Yes. Or are you <laughs> betting on him above any of those guys? I think talent wise, they're all in a very similar bucket, but because we are, you You're know, just the value, taking the shorter window. Well, and just the value of knowing for sure. Right. I mean, there's a lot of different ways this could obviously go. Ritter could get hurt. He could play poorly this season. There's a million different outcomes. I sure. know at this point where Kyle Trask and Davis Mills and Kellen Mond have been drafted. Now, if you're just asking me to to put these four players in order based on what I would think before the NFL draft, I think Mond and, and Ritter are are above Mills and, and Trask pretty easily for me. Okay. And I, I'll, I'll be honest, I think Ritter offers a little bit more um, with just his pure size and arm strength than Kellen Mond maybe does. So I think he might be the guy that I like the most of that group, um, even as much as I, I really do love Kellen Mond. So that was, you know, it, it felt like a very natural um, fit in terms of the comps. So Desmond Ritter is a guy that I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated with. Well, I will oh, watch some sorry, Cincinnati. Real quick, real quick, one other spillover scouting here. Uh, the tight end for Cincinnati, Josh Wiley. Uh, this is a program that obviously produced Travis Kelsey. Josiah DeWora came out of here a couple years ago. Um, and there's one other bit. It was it Brent Selleck, I believe, came out of Cincinnati as well. This is a this is a university that's had a propensity for producing NFL caliber tight ends. Josh Wiley is a very, very interesting guy. Number 81. Uh, he will be draft eligible in the coming year. So um, a guy, again, under the radar because Cincinnati is not necessarily a, a, a huge, super huge program. It's 
frankly, in my lifetime, that they've probably become a bigger football program than basketball. Um, but Josh Wiley, a guy to keep in mind, keep in, um, in, you know, in the back of your head, because I think he's going to be a guy that NFL scouts like in a year. Cool. Um, I think we move on to our running backs. Let's do it. Um, we both did one running back as well. I will start um, with Zamir White. Uh, he is going to be a junior with a redshirt season from Georgia. A lot of people thought he would come out last year, so I had actually done some work on him several months ago, really yeah. early on in our prospecting process for this past draft. Um, and I really, I remember really liking him then. And then I kind of just put him out of sight, out of mind for a while. And I refreshed myself and watched him in like five different games today. And I remembered why I liked him a lot. There are some concerns, but you mentioned Chris Carson earlier, big, strong, powerful, uh huh, yeah, no yeah. nonsense, gonna be a pain in the ass, pardon my language, to tackle every single time. And that's what Zamir White is. If you want to tackle the dude, you got to be ready for a, you know, a bit of a battle. He's not going down easy once. Like every single run, the dude runs hard. He's powerful. The contact balance is a, a trendy thing to say for running backs. Yeah. But when you mention that word, not everyone quite understands what it means. But if you want to understand contact balance, just watch Zamir White. He's got it in spades. He does it really well. Um, he can take a licking and kind of control his body to the point where he can keep moving, even if it's just to get another yard or two. Um, he was also another very highly recruited guy out of uh, high school. Sure was. He was the number one ranked running back in his class as a five-star recruit as well. So it Kind of worked out to be a bit of a theme for me to get uh, highly recruited players. Um, that was by accident, but um, I see why he was so beloved as a high school prospect. It's just my concern was Zamir White as a pro. Really, the only con I could come up with is, well, two of them, I guess. One, I don't anticipate his agility metrics to be all that great. I think mm -hmm. once we're getting to the analytical point of prospecting these guys next year i don't think like his three cone drill or all those other metrics that are you 20 yard yeah. shuttle i yeah. don't think those types of things are going to be in his favor but what i will say is on film he cuts efficiently and effectively enough for his running style where that's just not going to be that important to me i'll put it right. that way well it's not how he plays you know yeah. making guys miss in a phone booth he'd just rather run you over and so i'm yeah. i'm with you you're gonna have to hit some baselines for me um but i i agree with that the testing is going to matter a little less for zamir white just because of the play style it was true for uh chris carson who you comped him to did not test well it doesn't matter when you play um as mm -hmm. angry and physically as these guys do but the main thing that's going to scare us and it's going to scare the community as yep. large is his lack of a pass catching profile. But what I will say is I didn't see any evidence on film that he is incapable of catching passes. What I saw was an offense that was unwilling to use him that way. Right. I watched five games and I saw him targeted twice in the passing game. He ran a lot more routes than that, but it was usually your typical running back leaking out type of route. Mm -hmm. One of his catches did come on a Texas route an angle route and both of his targets he caught did what he was supposed to do. <laughs> right. So I, I didn't see any evidence of him not being able to, but in his whole college career, he's had eight catches. And that leads me to 
believe that may be why he decided to come back to school. Maybe he had a conversation with his coach. Look, I know I'm good enough to play in the NFL, but my lack of usage in this role may be hurting me. I will come back and play with you guys again if Mm -hmm. you promise to use me a little bit more in that role. So I think that's going to be the most important thing to watch for Zamir White in this upcoming season and certainly something I'm going to watch for when I watch Georgia is can they involve him more in the passing game? Because I'm not willing to write that off as a possibility for him, but as of right now, it's just a complete unknown and some, and there's got to be a reason they haven't used him that way. I guess they've, they've probably tried it in practice at least, or else they'd be doing themselves a disservice. Absolutely. I, I don't have anything on Zamir White. Do you have anything you wanted to get out? No, as far as spillover scouting goes, today was the day that I learned that Delvin Cook's younger brother plays for Georgia. And he does, he's yeah. kind of interesting in a limited role. I well, kinda... it, is, it is a big portion of why I think, you know, uh, Zamir is not getting a big portion of the pass catching game because that is what, what Cook's brother does so well is he's a – He's much smaller than Dalvin is, but he's a good pass catcher and, and even, I think, plays a little bit of wide receiver for them. So that may have something to do with, with Zamir's lack of involvement. Do you know if – did he move on this year? Did Because I, I want to say he was a senior, wasn't he? Well, he... he's he's listed on their current football roster he as is. a okay. senior. So I believe he will be back. So maybe another roadblock there, unfortunately, for Zamir. But I think you're right. I think, you know, we saw that a little bit with Etienne coming back when he could have came out to try to catch a few more balls and show a more versatile skill set. And I I don't think it always is, you know, the community is going to be very anti um, running backs that don't come out after year three, especially guys with high pedigree like Zamir. We all expected it this year, but I think there is going to be some resurgence in his value as we go through the college football season. And then we'll see where the testing and draft draft pedigree puts us. But I, a guy that I'm continually, you know, continuing to be interested in. Um, but we'll just have to see how this year goes for Georgia. Uh, the, the running back I had was Kyron Williams, uh, junior out of Notre Dame. I was a little bit surprised um, to actually see the listed height and weight for Kyron. I, I knew he was shorter, 5'9". But I would have guessed much closer to 210, 215 for his weight. They list him at 195. The, if, if that's true, he's one of the thickest 195s I've ever seen. But at the end of the day, I think he is a little bit bigger than that. But um, runs very, very powerfully. If that's you know, if if that's his true dimensions, he is a um, an absolute powerhouse for his size. And, you know, I think the really the really important thing to note with Kyron is he understands, you know, kind of who he is as an athlete. He is not exceptionally bursty or exceptionally fast in a straight line, but he understands how to set cuts up. He has a little bit of um, uh, this is not a comp to the player, but just stylistically that Marshawn Lynch to him where um, he's going to use a stiff arm to kind of stand a guy up and punch him out of the way and not necessarily the hurdle stiff arm, but actually stands guys up with it and kind of throws them around and controls them and, and picks up yardage that way. Um, he's an impressive guy to watch. And I think one thing that's going to be made note of with Kyron is he, he plays at Notre Dame, obviously. So behind a very, very good offensive line, you know, we've talked about that with Wisconsin running backs in the past. I think it's somewhat true here that, uh, you know, when you have all, you know, all, you know, world players in front of you, it's easier, but He's, he does a lot of work for them in terms of setting up runs and 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 using his vision and sort of um, patience, I, w- I would say, to um, create holes where maybe there weren't going to be holes, you know, as a result. Uh, the other thing I'd say, 
really good in pass pro. Um, I saw him, you know, as the primary blitz pickup. Uh, he, he understands kind of how to diagnose which free rusher is going to be his. Um, and he stacks them up pretty, pretty efficiently. Sometimes, you know, again, he's a little smaller guy, um, but he'll do what he has to do. If the guy's bigger than him, he's, he's efficient at cut blocking. Um, he can just stand up guys that are more, you know, uh, relative to his size. But um, I think the one, you know, it's kind of a similar case to Zamir. I wonder how well he tests and I wonder what that potentially leads to in terms of NFL draft capital. If he's undersized, and he doesn't test particularly well because I don't see top end speed. I don't see top end explosion. Um, probably closer to a day three player than a than a day one player. Um, but I, you know, we've talked a little bit about this class. I think the running back class is down again, and I think similar to this year in Michael Carter. If he has a big, you know, big year for Notre Dame, I think you could see some elevated draft stock just due to sort of a lack of of good running backs at at the college level this year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's move it on to our wide receivers. Mm-hmm. I have um, another Georgia Bulldog, George Pickens. Um, fits my theme of highly recruited players, another five-star. He was the number four wide yep. receiver in the country. Um, height and weight, if you're unfamiliar, 6'3", 200. Um, first note on Pickens that I had almost immediately is like, okay, this dude's a freak athlete. Athleticism mm-hmm. jumps off the page. Um, anyone that watches him for any amount of time is going to see that. And I think he's going to be a guy that the analytical community, so, so much of dynasty, um, content creation and analytic or, um, you know, advisors, it's either film or analytics. And I think what right. we're trying to do here is we're more film heavy, but we're not ignoring the analytical side. No, um, yeah. that certainly matters to us uh, in some form or fashion, but he's going to be a guy that that side of the conversation is going to dominate. I think, I mean, this year is going to be as important for him as anyone I've watched from my next year's yeah. prospects. Cause he is very raw. But the size, speed, athleticism metrics that I'm assuming he's going to do very well at are going to propel him into a very, um, let's say, polarizing area of our class if he doesn't improve on film. Excuse you, me. You know, listening to you explain it, you know who this reminds you or sounds a lot like is, is Terrence DK? Marshall. Oh, well, I was going to say Marshall. Terrence Marshall from this year, frankly. Um, you know, really, really good athlete, but you know, um, the analytics are going to support it, but the tape was not always great. You know, uh, I talked a little bit about this, you know, when we, when we broke down Terrace during the pre-draft process, uh, really inconsistent effort. And it was, it was, it was almost like, I understood why he got out of there after five weeks because the tape was not going to get better. You could tell he was not engaged, was a totally different player from 2019 when they won the NCAA championship. Um, and you know, as a result, it sort of dropped him down in my rankings a little bit because, um, you, you gotta, you gotta see that from guys. So I just, I, some of these things are kind of, but same, same thing, incredibly good athlete, the, the potential and the rawness, um, makes you want to love the guy. But at the end of the day, you gotta, you gotta see some of these things on the field. Yeah. And that was one of my notes on Pickens is, um, I wrote inconsistent motor. I'm hesitant to knock people for what I perceive to be inconsistent effort or motor. Cause I'm not privy to what the coaches are asking sure. him to do. I can only see, 
say what I see with my eyes. And what I see with my eyes on Pickens is some plays he comes flying off his release, full speed. It's like, okay, this guy is a weapon. <laughs> and like we see with Tyreek Hill in the NFL, if it's a running play, if it's a ball designed oh, to go to the other yeah. side of the field, it doesn't matter. Tyreek Hill is releasing with a purpose every single play because yep. even if he's not going to touch the ball on his play, he knows his speed, his holy crap Tyreek Hill is right in front of me, is going to help his football team win games. It's, and I didn't see Pickens use that where he should have been. That's a fantastic point because you're right. It's it's affecting three or four players on the defense every time Tyreek does come off full speed. And um, you see that from some players in, in, in the NFL even. And I it always does bug me that, yeah, you, I don't care if it's going the other direction. You, you have a chance to go – even just practice a release, you know what I mean? Try something yep. new. Try something that you haven't tried before, knowing that the ball's not going to come to you anyways, and if it fails, you know, you you, you can check the box of, okay, that doesn't work. But, right. yeah, the, the effort thing always does bug me, and I think it was great that you did note, you know, you don't necessarily know how, uh, how the play is being called. If they're asking him to slow release off the line, in order to right. let a, a route develop, you don't necessarily know that. But Yeah, and maybe his wide receiver coach is saying, I don't need you to go all out on this play because yes. I need you for the next one. So right. I, I could be criticizing something unfairly where his coach is giving him a different direction. It's just something from my time watching film that if I were his coach, I would – I like the way the Chiefs use Tyreek Hill, even when he's not in the play. I think that's an asset that he would provide a team and something I think a smart coach would want to utilize better. I totally agree. So uh, Pickens, in terms of this wide receiver class, uh, maybe, you know, forget about trying to rank him amongst 2022 guys. How do you feel about where you might rank him against some of the guys from this most recent class? And I'm, I really need to see next year's film on him. He was so yeah. raw to me. I, if I had to choose on him right now, I'd probably be out because I don't know how good the analytics are. And I just saw a very limited route tree. He, he, he only ran like goes some slants and some mm -hmm. comebacks. There just wasn't much nuance in his routes either. Even simple routes. It just, they didn't feel like every slant felt a little different. And the one thing that really bugged me is he is so damn handsy at the catch point you could okay. have called him for an opi on at <laughs> least seven times in the three games i watched he needs to be a lot more subtle with how he does that because yep. for a big body receiver like that you're just naturally not going to get quite as much separation right, by nature right, right. and so they tend to be a little bit reliant on a little bit of cheating with their push-offs and whatnot but his are just way too obvious and he's going to get flagged left and right in the nfl if he doesn't work on that so as of now ranking him against next year's class um certainly not wide receiver one for me but um well, he could see, become that you see that out there uh, you know, the Debbie ranks are always going to be much more scattered and, and sort of wide ranging in terms of who everybody likes. I have seen places that have George Pickens as the wide receiver one. I'm with you. I'm a little bit more hesitant because he is, you know, like you, you put it, I think, the right way. He's very, very raw. And I think we need to see what 2020, 2021, sorry, is going to look like. Uh, I think I'll use that as a good transition because the next guy that we're going to talk about here complete opposite to what you were just mentioning in Pickens. Uh, that's that's David Bell, uh, the wide receiver out of Purdue. Obviously, Rondell Moore just came out of there. But um, a big part of the last couple of years where Rondell's been hurt, 
this has been the guy that's been leading the Boilermaker offense. Uh, so David Bell, Jr., 6'2", 205. So very good, just prototypical. This is what you're going to hear a lot of, of, of prototypical with, with, with David Bell. Very prototypical size, um, very average size, speed, and quickness. You know, pretty efficient, but very unspectacular after the catch. And the more and more I watched him, the more and more he felt like this is, I'm just re-watching Robert Woods all over again. Um, and, you know, I think to some people that's going to be a negative. To others, it's going to be a positive. Bobby Trees has been uh, doing it for, what, eight years now or something like that. He's an incredibly good player. I don't think that, you know, Robert Woods never finished, I don't think, in the, as a wide receiver one. I think he's finished like 13, 14, kind of in that range every year for the past couple. Uh, very, very good player, but not a super high upside. We need to start loving those players a little bit more. I, I you know, I've I agree. probably, probably neglected selected this type of player, this this archetype of player for too long, and, and I'm not going to do it anymore. David Bell, you mentioned the lack of nuance with Pickens. There is not a lack of nuance with Bell. Runs just about every route on the tree, and he can run it from just about every alignment. Now you talk about the analytics. Certainly he's not going to test like a, you know, supremely talented Julio Jones level athlete. But I think when you look at the other side of the analytics, which is not athletics, it's 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 your production and, and especially your early production. Uh, excellent in that regard, obviously, you know, with and without Rondell Moore in this offense. And it's really not mattered. He's been successful either way. He was the Big Ten freshman of the year in 2019. So, you know, right away came onto campus and was very good, was spectacular again last year. His 12 game pace for 2020 would have had him on 106 uh, reception, 1,250-yard season. Um, the Iowa game, three touchdowns. Uh, the Minnesota game, he had an incredible touchdown catch in the back of the end zone that I'm nearly, I'm pretty sure they they overturned, and I don't quite know why. Um, but David Bell, I think this is a guy that, you know, is still fairly under, I say this a lot, but he's. I think he's underrated just due to a perceived lack of upside. I think he's easily a day two selection, probably a round two selection next year. May not be a first round, but um, I think he's a guy that's going to give you multiple years of wide receiver two production, even if he never has the upside um, to potentially be a wide receiver one. Um, similar to Woods, I could see just with you know the upgrade in, in size and speed around him. Maybe it taking a year or two for him to acclimate to the league. That was something that happened with Woods. Buffalo was not pretty. wasn't until he kind of moved on that he really exploded and, and figured things out. Um, but but David Bell is a guy that I kind of fell in love watching. And I, I just I never really found a, a significant weakness other than the fact that he's just not athletically um, imposing. And I, I just I don't think you necessarily have to be. I think he's going to hit enough benchmarks in that area where David Bell is going to be a guy that NFL teams love, and I think he's going to have a 10-year 10 10 year NFL career probably. Um, just a really, really good overall player. Yeah, I think you did a really good job uh, pointing out his limitations, but uh, you got me pretty excited about David Bell. If you tell me I'm getting a Robert Woods clone, then I'm pretty gosh darn excited about it, even if I have to wait a little bit. Because, yeah, I, I think you're right. Robert Woods and that type of receiver, just the – old reliable, you know what you're getting. Um, They're undervalued assets in this, in in this world that we live in, in, in dynasty football, you can always acquire Robert Woods probably cheaper than you should be able to. Yeah, absolutely. And I think maybe the the one other thing to point out is that 
Upside is a is a tricky thing, right? You know, we had a uh, conversation a week ago about Antonio Brown. Um, you know, he was a what a sixth round pick, and I think when you looked at even his first year in Pittsburgh, it was near a hundred receptions, but there was like two touchdowns. It wasn't a lot of big chunk plays. The yards per reception were fairly low. You might have said a similar thing. I just don't know where the upside is. If you're a good football, you know, a really good player and you can develop over the course, upside is always sort of unlimited. You, you never quite know. So if, if the upside you're telling me right now is wide receiver 12 overall, that's that's enough upside for me to not worry about, oh, he'll never be wide receiver one overall. Um, do, well, and the more recent example is some of these knocks that you put on Bell are similar to some of the things people were even saying about Justin Jefferson last year. Yes, Not absolutely. an incredible athlete, ran like a 4-5-8. It's like he doesn't do this quite to a special level, but you Not watch him on tape. was something yeah. you heard, yes, yep. You heard a lot of these same knocks, and then he established himself pretty gosh darn quickly as one of the best fantasy your mm-hmm. dynasty assets in all of football. So you never know. I am not willing to cap someone's potential before I even see them put on an NFL helmet. Yeah. And the last thing I wanted to say about bell is, is he's ultra competitive at the, at the catch point, really strong hands. But I think the other thing you saw a little bit of was, you know, really good sideline balance in a couple different games. Um, you saw him make, you know, these diving, uh, sprawling, spinning catches along the sidelines. And in a lot of instances, three out of four, as I counted it, uh, got two feet down, almost as if he was trying to impress NFL scouts, uh, but really good along the sidelines and just competitive at the catch point. So um, I, I think that Justin Jefferson is sort of maybe a high-end comp actually does uh, resonate with me a little bit too, even though I still like the, the Woods comp just because of how you know, just underrated, and I just kind of wanted to give Bobby Woods a little bit of credit because he's just such a good player. Um, yeah, man. That was all I had. Uh, you got anything else you want to get out? Um, No, I guess the one thing I guess I kind of wanted to reiterate is um, if you want to keep up on these prospects, uh, the bit that we designed for in-season that we're going to start doing once college football kicks off is I yep. ask Josh every week, um, and our Thursday show, when we go back to two shows a week, to give me and you, the listener, one college game, at least one college game that matters for Dynasty Managers, where you can probably watch at least a couple of NFL prospects. Well, and we'll try to we'll try to get around all of college football, too. And I'll, I'll do a little bit of digging as to who's on kind of some of the bigger networks. So hopefully, you know, most of our, our listeners will be able to, to actually tune into these games. Um, but yeah, we're going to try to get to as many of the prospects as we can and, and hit some of the games where um, you're going to see them in the biggest environment you might see them in, especially if it's a smaller school guy. So I'm really excited for that bit. I'm excited for, you know, we're I think we're like 50 days away from training camp or something. I mean, it's it's not nearly as far away as it sort of always feels. The mm-hmm. season seems to always sneak up on us. I know in our big uh, home contract league, the sort of the contract deadline date is is creeping up on us. I think it's like 35 days. So a lot of moving parts here. The season is is right around the corner, and I'm here for it, man. You know, you know I am, Newts. Oh yeah, I'm get I'm starting to get that itch, that excitement. Same. It's like all right, we're we're done with mini camps. The next thing up on the schedule is it's it's almost go time. It's training camp yep. and preseason. You know, preseason lingers too long, but we're down to three games now. So it's not yep. that grind of the fourth 
the fourth preseason game. It's it's right around the corner, man. I'm I'm so excited to watch so many of these teams. So much turnover in the league this year. We get um, mm-hmm. young, exciting quarterbacks, and uh, you know Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, and the like. And then you know just seeing some of these second year guys like Joe Burrow, even Tua. Like I want to. Yeah. There's so many interesting teams that are. <clears throat> ascending and I, I just can't wait to see how the league shakes out I'm, I'm super excited it's it's in a good place especially with uh, a couple big quarterback pieces uh out there potentially lurking in Deshaun Watson and Aaron Rodgers who knows we could have uh we could still be in for some wild uh off-season news here in the next uh, month and a half or so before uh we do get to training camp but yeah uh I'm excited for yeah I'm excited for all of it I missed the preseason last year I know you said it lingers too long uh, I always enjoy the preseason, and we didn't have that last year. Obviously, training camp access was very limited. Uh, it's just we're getting back to a normal year, and I'm uh, I'm getting pretty jacked up for it. So, uh, so go ahead. No, I was just going to say, yeah, we really did miss the preseason last year. There's so many young quarterbacks that we'd Jordan like to Love, see some yep. eyeballs, and specifically, selfishly for us Vikings fans, if Ooh. we had drafted Kellen Mond last year, we wouldn't know anything by now. At least we're going to get to watch some Kellen Mond play for I just this year. You got me really excited because you're right. All The Vikings preseason is going to be interesting through three and a half quarters for most of these games because we're going to see a lot of Kellen Mond, I'm quite sure, because he'll be – uh, we need him to be the backup, I think, you know, week yeah. one, ready to go if something were to happen to Kirk. So it's going to be a fun preseason. It's going to be a fun training camp. Um, and I hope that uh, our listeners, and, and, and if you tuned in, you stick with us throughout that time. We're going to keep giving you a podcast a week. You can uh, uh, follow Newts at, on Twitter at Nasty Newts, N-E-U-T-Z. I am at Dynasty Oasis. Please hit subscribe. Uh, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll be back next week. Yep, see you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Bye.